Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of the Lord. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for your always, your quick attentiveness to the Spirit and your response to the presence of God. What a shame it would be to feel the presence of God and not respond to that presence as though it didn't really matter or mean that much to us at all. But oh, what a privilege it is to stand in His presence today and to be able to entertain that and Ask the Lord to just move in a very, very special way this morning. I want to say thank you to Brother Jerry Herndon and Brother Everett Bird for taking care of last weekend. Always wonderful to, uh, when you're away, to hear good reports, and and, uh, and I appreciate that so very, very much. And so you don't look uh, peaked this morning, look like you were well fed, and and uh, we appreciate that very, very much. Amen. God has blessed us with some good help, and we appreciate that. I want to. I want this morning to, the, uh, with the help of the Lord, of course, I want to turn our attention to the book of First John, chapter, or the book of First John, uh, one and seven. The book of First John, one and seven. I've often said that the books, the epistles of First, Second, Third John often need no commentary. We often find that even as notations in commentaries that 
after several verses or whatever, it will always say something akin to no commentary necessary. And uh, so John just kind of seemed to live by the principle that plain talk was easily understood. And, and so today I want to talk about something incredibly important. Uh, of course, I hope that would be true of any time we stand behind this This, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I want to speak this morning on the subject walking in truth and uh, I think two key words here this morning are, are going to be found in the fact that we need to be walking, we need to be proactive in what we're doing, and that we certainly need to be walking in truth. Um, walking in the light is such an imperative to uh, our relationship with God, and, and in truth, uh, or in reality, maybe I should say not to overuse the word truth here to, this morning, but in reality... Walking in the light is the only insurance policy that we have against the spirit of deception. Amen. It is, it is imperative that we, that we uh, bathe ourselves in the truth of God's word. That's why it is so important that, that we don't allow uh, just any old thing to be, be a part of our study habits or... Um, things of that nature, I want to I stay exposed to truth. Yeah. Amen. And, and when you stay exposed to the truth of God's word, and please don't take that in a narrow-minded fashion, but when we stay exposed to the truth of God's word, then anything in error will begin to stand out. We need to pray for the spirit of discernment that we know the truth, the power of God's word. I promise you with a pure heart today that we are not talking about this in the sense of uh, egotism or, or feeling as though that uh, there's only just one little elect body of people and that be this church that has the truth of God's word. That is not so at all. He wants to reveal that truth to whosoever will. Whosoever will. There are some prerequisites to that and we're going to discuss that this morning, but I think that, that when we think about the pursuit of truth, uh, I'm not referring to, nor do I think the scripture is referring to intellectual truth alone, but I think there is a revelatory truth of God's word that he reveals himself, he shines himself, he makes, he makes bare his power, his principles to our heart and, and our lives. And so uh, what someone has experienced as it has often been said that a man with an experience will never be intimidated by someone who only has an argument. If you've ever been healed, it wouldn't matter what angle somebody approached you and said there's no such thing as divine healing. You, you may opt not to ever, you may opt not to even open your mouth in defense of that or in debate of that, but you're not held hostage by that because you have an experience, not just an argument about that. I know the infilling of the Holy Ghost is relevant and real for us today. 
I've experienced it many, many times again and again. And so I, I don't want to just talk about intellectual truth, but the revelatory truth of God's word. Jesus said in the book of John 16 and 13, just uh, one phrase there, he said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you unto all truth. And I, I think the Lord will never leave us to walk in our own strength. He'll never leave us to our own power. But here is the one key that I want to speak of this morning in passing, and that is this, that we have to live what we already know if God is going to reveal more truth to us. And so and, and if, if we're going to walk with him daily, I need to walk in what I already understand. And so I may be reaching for and even speaking to some today that says, you know, I don't understand all of this. Well, that's a wonderful thing. That means your journey, you're still on a journey and that God is still able to speak to us. But walk in what you do know. Amen. Live in obedience to what you do understand. Amen. Walk by faith. I am certainly not alluding by any stretch of the imagination that we fake it till we make it. I'm not, I'm not talking about that at all, but I'm talking about exercising our faith in the power of God's word. In the second epistle of John, verses six and seven, the Bible says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandment. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Amen. What you have had from the very onset, walk in that. I'm telling you today that there are men and women in this building that are walking in a large light of truth because they've been walking with the Lord a long time. But it didn't start out with a large light. They just started out in what they knew. They just started coming and God began to multiply that and, and, and add to that in their lives. Verse 7, the scripture says, For many deceivers, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and antichrist. And so we must walk in what we know because there are deceivers, sadly. Deceivers, there have always been and will always be deceivers. And so I need to know what is truth if I'm going to be able to guard against the spirit of deception that is so prevalent in our world. John's second epistle is written I think with a very specific purpose in mind. That purpose is to warn us against the heresy of and, and, the, and having fellowship with false teachers. We have to be very, very careful. I want to speak about the, the importance of continuing to walk in the truth of God's word every day. Do not, whatever you do, try to live for God just Sunday to Wednesday and Wednesday to Sunday and just bounce between those two uh, connect points, but I want to walk in the truth of God's word every day. Amen. We have to be able to recognize and the serious and the tragic results of being influenced by those who teach wrong or false doctrines. Now, I talked about some things that are necessary. If we're going to walk in truth, there are some prerequisites. God is going to look for some things in our own life. As strange as it may sound, not everybody meets the qualifications of walking in truth. And before you disconnect, let me finish. Because before a person can walk in the truth, they themselves must be a truthful person. God will only work with what we give him 
to work with. And so anyone that's not a person of integrity or a person of honesty in every area of their life, amen. Not just while we're together, not just when someone's looking, but in every area of our life, we've got to exercise honesty and integrity. That's when we're not at church, when we're not uh, having anything to do with uh, religious order, but we're just walking in this world. Amen. Anything, if we, if we don't have that base element, those fundamental things down in our life, then anything I say today would just be meaningless because we've got to have first a good root to begin with. I think it's a very tragic thing for people to profess the power of the Holy Ghost in their life, their embrace of the oneness of the Godhead or to be baptized in Jesus' name if that same person is careless about other areas of truth in their life. Amen. I'll be more specific less... I'm speaking too cloudy. We can profess our knowledge of the oneness of God. We can profess the beauty of the moment we were baptized in his name or filled with the Holy Ghost. But if we are not people of integrity outside of that, if we don't pay our bills, if we don't, if we don't treat fellow mankind with decency, decency and, and honor, if we don't do that, then we can never walk in truth because everything else is overshadowed by the falsehood of our lives. Amen. I don't want to just beat this to death today, but I can tell you that there are people that can quote Scripture one way and almost quote it backwards. They've got it committed to their heart and their mind, but their life outside of that, there is no integrity to uphold what would happen in a pulpit or would uphold what would happen in the house of God. Amen. We have, so we've got to be very, very careful that at first we have the basic fundamental element of truth and honesty and integrity in our heart. God needs a vessel to use. Amen. And so just because we may have certain gifts or talents or abilities, that does not make us in right standing with God. Amen. I can tell you that somewhere in America or somewhere in the world last night was a man or a woman or perhaps both sitting on a bar stool plastered out of their mind that no Acts 2.38 to be the revelation of the, the plan of salvation, they would, not, they would not deviate from that one way or the other if you held a gun to their head, so to speak, but their life on that bar stool and their drunken stupor just devalues everything else that they may know. So we must walk in integrity and we must walk in light. God has to have something to work with in the very beginning. Truth is always absolute. Truth cannot be shaded. Truth cannot be uh, slanted to any degree. The truth is the truth. The truth is what sets us free. The truth is what sets the trajectory of everything else in our lives. I know a compass doesn't mean a whole lot to us today in a world of high technology, but I'm going to tell you that a compass is a very, very important thing in our life. And certainly, uh, and, and, and the fundamental element of a compass is still at work and our GPS and, and things of that nature. But a compass like truth has to be absolute. A real compass, a true compass will always point north. Not close to north, not almost there, but a true compass will point always north. And if the hand of the compass is off by just one degree, that could mean tragedy 
for whoever is trusting that to get from where they are to where they are trying to go, to those who are depending on it, and especially if the nature of that journey is a long journey. Just a little bit off here, if you're just going from here to that door, you may be all right, but we're talking about a, a lifetime of living for God. And so we've got to get this right at the base. We've got to get this right from the very beginning, almost right. That's never going to save us, and that will not ever work, almost right. I hope I am right. As a matter of fact, not long ago, someone not connected to our church whatsoever told my wife, this is what I'm doing, talking about salvation. And, and then they named these things, and, and she concluded her comments by saying, and I hope that is enough. Thank God, thank God, amen, for a spirit of courage and boldness that came over my wife and said, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven and hell. We can't hope this is enough. I can't do this. I can't throw this much money at this or throw this much action at that and hope this is going to be sufficient to carry me through eternity. I feel the power of the Holy One that I am declaring today, standing with me in this pulpit. Praise God, praise God. Almost right will not save us. Amen. There are some qualifications that we must have if we're gonna walk in truth. The scripture declares that we must be born again. We must be born of the water and of the spirit. And so an unsaved person does not have the privilege of walking in truth. We gotta first be born again. They also must be a person, I've touched this, but we must be a person of, of, of sterling character, our character. I, I understand we're all wrapped in flesh that is subject to error, but I'm talking about characters, who we are when no one's watching. I'm not talking about stumping our toe. Amen. I'm not talking about some bad thought flashing across the, uh, the frontlet of our mind, but what we really do about that. And so we must be people of absolute character, somebody that you can hand them your wallet. You can hand them your pocketbook and just say, hold on to this for six months. And when you get back, everything, everything will be there right down to the six sticks of gum that were there when you handed it to them. <laughs> Amen. And a third thing is that they must love truth for the sake of truth and truth alone. Just love truth, not because of uh, of any other thing attached to it but love truth to the same degree they love truth they're going to hate falsehood amen that's why pulpits across America must be filled with not only people that are preaching for the truth but we also must preach against falsehood we need to preach for righteousness and against sin it is a frightening thing where we are it is a frightening thing where we are especially in America right now because no one wants to offend anyone. Amen. No one wants to be where they're outside of the realm of political correctness. And, and so because of that, it is not just our world outside of church that is suffering, but pulpits across America are lukewarm. Amen. Pews across America are lukewarm. Our own personal role and relationship with God across our nation are lukewarm. I'm gonna say it again, not in defense of me, but I'm gonna tell you that we need, we need anointed ministries in the pulpit. We need anointed leadership. Amen, not just gifted orators, not people that can say it just right. 
We need men and women that are anointed of God. The power of God is standing with them. The God of Israel is standing beside them and in them while they are delivering his word. Praise God. Amen. We need to love the truth and we need to always be a seeker of the truth. Not for the sake of trying to simply win a biblical argument, but we need to seek the truth for the sake of clarity and proclamation of the scripture. Amen. We need truth preached from behind pulpits. Someone seeking the truth is never going to be offended by somebody that is trying to enlighten them. Somebody that's trying to help them along the way. Amen. That's a that's a true friend, somebody that sees something wrong in your area, in your life, in an area of your life, and I'm not talking about busybodies, but somebody that knows how to take care of that, somebody that knows how, uh, just for the sake of, uh, just for the sake of kindness, I want to help you, I want to help you in an area, come, sister boy, come here just a minute, I want to share something, she don't like to be used for illustrations, even when I just say something, so you can imagine how much she don't like this. <laughs> I got so tickled last Sunday. We were, uh, we were in Jacksonville. We, <laughs> we were in Jacksonville uh, ministering in, in Brother and Sister Miller's church, and there was a lady in the church, one of the ministers' wives in the church, and and so I mean, they're, they're total strangers. They had never ever met before this second that I'm about to uh, lead up to, and I'm probably going to need a warm place, to, a cool place to stay. <laughs> I will have a warm place to stay. I need a cool place to stay. <laughs> This day, this afternoon, and so we were we were standing there, and and this lady was introducing herself, and and and, and Sister Boyd was just being Sister Boyd, and, and and apparently she noticed that her shoulder pad was crumpled up under there, and and she said, "It is just so nice to meet you, and we're just so we're just honored to be here." And I'm going to tell you, she just got her all straightened up and leveled out, and and uh, then she caught what she was doing. She said, "Well, I I, did, I did, wasn't trying to offend you," and this lady was so sweet. She said, "No, I need you to help me if something's wrong." I said, "That's what I." Call Call a true friend. Amen. You may be seated. You may be. <laughs> she just looked at me and said, are you done? My answer to that is more ways than one. <laughs> more. <laughs> I am done more ways than one. And I just got so tickled. She was unconscious of the fact she saw something wrong and she just started fixing it right up. And I mean, she just, and, and that lady just loved it. That lady just loved it. And so, um, <laughs> Thankfully, we had the privilege to eat with them after church and, and spend a little more time and, and uh, know that she just wasn't a, wasn't a, a never mind. No, we're just going to pray. We just, somebody throw me a shovel, amen, <laughs> or take this one out of my hand, maybe. Amen. So people that are seeking the truth, are, 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 are they're happy for somebody to speak something into their life. Amen. We need to be that speaker. I'm going to tell you why that was received. If I could just make a spiritual application, that was received because of the spirit that it was given in. And so somebody seeking the truth is not going to be offended by someone that is trying to help them. But let me talk to the helpers today. It matters what spirit we approach that situation in. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I hope that helped a little bit there. And so we're going to be thankful that they, they are going to be thankful that someone helped them along the way. They're going to be more interested in the word of God and what that word has to say. And we must be interested in what the word of God has to say. Hear me this morning. I'm thankful for tradition. Tradition has its place and it has its rightful place in our life and our history and things of that nature. But we should not be worried about what tradition says over what the word of God says. It's the word of God that's going to stand. Heaven and earth shall pass away. 
Amen. This world is going to crumble. This world, amen, is going to is going to be burned up and consumed according to the word of God. Amen. But what's going to stand? My word. My word is going to stand. And so with skyscrapers, tradition will go. And so with large buildings, tradition is going to go. And so with the, with the, with the Alps, the traditions are going to go. But the word of God is going to stand. Amen. I think Paul summarized it well when he said in Galatians 4.30, Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Amen. Nevertheless, what saith the word of God? Amen, I know this is what you think. I know this is what you believe, but what does the scripture have to say about this? The word of God, there's nothing more powerful, nothing more meaningful, nothing that will bring more balance to our lives than the word of God. The word of God, I I, I said this morning, we're gonna use both of these words about truth, but I also wanna talk about walking. Amen, The, the word of God has so much to say, so many references to walking. There are many scriptures where walking is mentioned. It's referring to the condition of our life. And here is, not to try to insult anybody's intelligence today, but here is what the Bible is implying by that, is that there is an advancement in your life. If we're walking, we're advancing. We're not standing still. We're not static. But we're walking. And so I want to talk today about truth But as important as truth is, I want to talk about walking in truth, the advancement of truth. It ought to be, I'm going to tell you what, amen, if you've got the Holy Ghost this morning, the longer you have the Holy Ghost, the more that ought to be settled in your life. Amen, whatever revelation God has given you about his word, that ought to be more settled every day. Why? Because the deceiver is gonna come along and test the corner. He's gonna try to pluck up the corner and the foundation, the fabric of who we are. Hear me this morning. If your faith has never been challenged, if what you believe has never been challenged, you had better buckle in. You had better hold on because it will be. In the quietest night of your life, the enemy can slip to your ear and whisper deceitful things thoughts. That's why I better know that I know that I know that I know that I know. This is all I got to hold on to, so I'm going to hold on to the unchanging hand of God and his word. Praise God. My Lord, I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost here today. Amen, amen. When a person walks, they're advancing forward more than movement. It's extremely important important that we are not just moving but we're walking in the right path the right direction the right way amen it is essential that we walk in the light so that we can clearly see the path I try every day to say and I say that because I'm human and I may fail to say this sometimes in my prayer but I try to say every day the words of Psalms 119 105 thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Amen. I try to every day say, Lord, let thy word be a lamp unto my feet. You've heard me say it time and time again, a lamp unto my feet. Illuminate where I am today. Let your word give light to where I am today. Amen. Let it be a lamp unto my feet. But he said, also let it be a light 
Amen. There's a difference between a lamp and a light. A lamp is going to give a glow to expose where we are here and now, but a light can project into our tomorrows. Amen. And so I say, Lord, let thy word, let your word be a lamp to me right now. Amen. Illuminate where I am here and now. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how correct I may be today. If I am incorrect tomorrow, if I'm incorrect next week or a month or a year from now. And so I say, oh Lord, now let this word not just be a lamp to illuminate where I am today, but let it be a light and let it shine into my tomorrows. (laughs) Hallelujah, let it shine into my tomorrows that I will stay on the right path. Amen, the right path. There is no danger of stumbling when we can see where we stand and where we can see where we're going. There is no danger of stumbling if we know where we are and where we are going. In John's second epistle, he mentioned the truth five times. The word truth, five times. This shows us the importance the apostle is placing upon truth. Pilate asked the irrevocable question of the ages in John 18, 38, when he asked Jesus, what is truth? Amen. I want you to understand this morning when Pilate asked the question to Jesus, what is truth? That's not a question that just got hurled out into the ages and it is still floating around somewhere waiting for someone to answer that. Amen. In this present and confused world that we are living in today, thousands of people are still asking this question, what is truth? They're living in darkness. They're living in error. They're living in sin. However, the Lord answered this question in John 17 and 17 when he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen, what is truth? Amen, I'll tell you what the truth is. The truth is this book that I've got in my hand. It's the word of God. What is the word? John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And John 1 and 14 said that that word became flesh. Amen, that's what happened in Bethlehem's manger in the book of Matthew and that flesh walked among men. That flesh walked among men. That flesh touched blinded eyes. That flesh gave strength and give and, and, and gave coordination to limb, limbs that were lame. Amen. That truth, that truth that walked up and down those dusty streets. Amen. Hear me today. That truth was named Jesus. The philosophy of mankind. Amen. The philosophy of man can never save a soul. It can never satisfy the inner desires of a human soul. The word of God is absolute. The word of God is truth. Something's going on here today. Amen, hear me this morning. Something's going on today because I'm standing behind this pulpit and I am declaring the word of God. Amen. I I know all of our leaders understand what I mean, or at least I hope you know that I understand what you understand what I mean when I talk about the importance of the word. I give credence and, and, and to all of our ministries, and so there's my disclaimer for the day, and hopefully for the next several months. But there's nothing more important, nothing more important than the word of God. Nothing. When you put emphasis on anything else above the word of God, you are asking for trouble. I want us to sing 
and I want us to sing with all of our heart. Sing till sweat runs down your forehead. Amen. Sing till sweat drips off the end of your elbow. Sing until there is no more voice left to sing. Clap your hands until they are near bleeding. Amen. Jump until you can't even wiggle in our praise and worship. But if we walk away then, we have done everyone in this world a huge disservice. Before we walk away, no matter what has happened, no matter what program, no matter what plan, no matter what has taken place, before we wait, before we walk away, God in heaven helps somebody to break open this book and say, if I'm only going to take three minutes, let me declare, thus saith the word of God, because truth is the only thing, his word is the only thing that can dissuade and stop error. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Amen, amen. I told Brother Everett Bird, he's not the only preacher I've ever said this to, but I told Brother Everett Bird when they began to teach Bible studies in Madison, I said, I'm gonna tell you the power is in the preaching of the word. The power is not in the recipient of the word necessarily. Follow my example here. The power is not in what's going to happen there or what you can see with your eyes, but the power is in declaring the word. Amen. I don't think we find a more clear example of this than we find in the book of Ezekiel. When the Lord said to Ezekiel, step out there, son, and you just preach the word. Amen. But they're just bones, but it's a desert. There's no life. That's not what's important. Don't worry about what you can see with your eyes. Don't worry about what you can put your hands on. You just preach to the wind. <laughs> Oh, you just declare, you declare to the elements my word. I'll take care of the rest. Amen. I said, if there's no one that shows up for Bible study, and if it's only you and Sister Cricket, preach. Amen. If she's sick that day and can't even go preach to empty chairs and empty pews, you say, well, you've lost your mind. You have lost your mind. No, no. Amen. It is in the preaching. We're going to get this word in the atmosphere. We're going to get this word in the wind. I'm going to preach this word and let the spirit and the prince of the power of the air know that we are here in this house. Amen. We didn't just come to play church. We didn't just come to hold hands and patty cake, but we came to declare the power of God's word. Hallelujah. 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 My, my, my. Amen. Only the word has the power to save us. Only the word has the power to deliver us. Only the word. Even the philosophy of man cannot save us. We need the absolute word of God. As I mentioned a moment ago about a compass, there's no such thing as being almost true. Either we believe and obey and walk in the light of God or we're walking in darkness and error. We're either on the right road or the wrong road. Amen. So it's impossible to walk in truth Amen, if we don't have all of these things in place. Let me touch another area of our life where that is a prerequisite for God moving in our heart. 
We don't need, we not only need to just walk in truth, but we also need to walk in love. Now I'm gonna tell you, some people have the truth, but they have not yet got their hands around this love part. They've got truth with sawed off shotguns, <laughs> spiritually, ball bats. Amen. In the word of God, truth and love are always companions. Truth and love, always companions. You're a great man. You're a great man. I'm sure Sister Rayleigh tells you that on a regular basis. I'm just affirming her words there. John, John exhorted in his epistle he directed his comments to the elect lady and her children to walk in the light of the commandment that they heard from the beginning. And then he encompasses into that commandment that they love one another. In his first epistle, John describes emphatically for us two distinct groups of people. One who walks in love, the other who does not. In John 4, 1 John 4, 7, he refers first to those who walk in love. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Drop down to verse 12. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So we need the truth. Oh, my Lord, we need the truth. I hope I've already started establishing that, but I'm not through working on that. We need the truth, but we need the truth of God in love. The scripture says preach the truth, but preach the truth in love. Then John describes people that love not. In verse eight of chapter, First John 4 and 8, he said, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In John 4, 20, he said, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. This is one of those verses where no commentary is needed. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, John said, you're a liar. That's strong language. And, and, and God takes lying very serious because he talks about in eternity in hell that all liars are gonna have their place. Amen, am I right? Amen, these verses make it clear that it's impossible to walk in truth unless we also walk in love. Love is important, truth is important, but we also have to add something else to this recipe. We must walk in obedience. That means that we have to obey God's commands. There are a lot of people who know it, but they won't live it. Amen, they know it, but they won't walk in it. Please let me pause and say something here this morning. It is possible, always possible to obey God's word, always. Some people say, you know, I just can't do this. It's just too much. It's just too hard. You are listening to the wrong voice. Amen. The wrong voice has your attention. It's always possible to obey God's word because God will never require anything of us that is impossible to perform. After someone is born again, it's possible for them to live a victorious life. And hear me this morning, amen, not just a victorious life as in singing and shouting, that's part of it, but we can live a victorious life that includes biblical holiness. 
Some people say, I just can't do that. It's just too much. Hear me this morning. If you'll walk in what truth you know, if you'll walk in what you do know, God will give us strength day by day by day by day. Hallelujah. I, I don't ever want this pulpit to be silenced upon these issues. And so while we may not try to skin people when they walk in the front door, I want the word of God to do a work. But here is the caveat. You've got to let that word do a work in our lives. We've got to let God have free reign in our lives. We've got to let the spirit of the Lord speak to us. And you know what? In recent, in recent weeks, I have had no less than two people come to me and say, you know what? In the last few weeks, God, has been dealing with me about this and he's been dealing with me about that. Amen, not something that I've been preaching and hammering and over somebody's head, but the word of God just going forth. The word of God will help us. Amen, we ought to act different. We ought to look different. We ought to talk different. The longer we live for God, amen, because his word is truth and it's leading us closer and closer, amen, to his, his perfect will. Amen, so we can't have parcel Obedience. We never can allow our own interpretation of the word of God. And we can't come up with our own interpretation of that and then call it obedience because that's exactly what happened to Saul when he fought the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15. When Saul tried to excuse himself for partial obedience. Listen carefully to what Samuel had to say in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And when you understand the significance of biblical sacrifice, you get the weight of what Samuel was saying. Sacrifice was everything. So Samuel didn't just reach out and get some trivial matter. But Samuel was trying to drive a point home to Saul by saying it is better to obey than to sacrifice. So for Saul's disobedience, God rejected him from being king. To obey the commandments of the Lord for you and I means that, that we don't just hear them with our ears. We don't just nod our head or just wave our hand or even say amen when someone is teaching or preaching about that. But we get it up and we live it every day of our life. Amen. I'm just going to be very bold and courageous here this morning. I'm going to tell you that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you ought not be ashamed to be seen by anybody. Amen. Because it just seems like in the world we're living in, we've got certain rules for certain occasions. And we've got certain things that only apply certain areas of our lives. We're in error. We're in error if we think that that is correct. We need to live this out every day of our life. Amen. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I want the spirit of God and his truth to be alive. Amen. And be available for examination every day. Amen. If you've got to run down another aisle at the grocery store because we walked in or somebody else from the church walked in, you need to think about that. <clears throat> Amen. If it takes 15 minutes for you to answer the door because somebody from the church drove up to your house. <laughs> you know what? That's just plain old meddling, ain't it? I grew up on meddling preaching. <laughs> it ain't always comfortable. It won't kill you. Amen. 
We need to walk in obedience. We must walk wholeheartedly in the right spirit. And it's mockery to obey God's word on the outside and yet our heart be filled with dead men's bones, be filled with things that are different. Here's what I found to be true. When a person loves the world, when they have one hand still in the world, a little bit of affection still over there, the commandments of God are always taxing and overbearing. I don't know if I can do this. And it's because you're trying to satisfy two worlds and it can't be done. You can't satisfy two worlds. Amen. You can't ever experience the victory and the joy that God desires to give you if you try to satisfy two worlds. Our walk with God, amen, in our walk with God, there are certainly paths that we must avoid. Now, I, 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 I'm not suggesting anything that I'm saying, one thing more important than the other, but I am truly asking you to lean in with me now. In our walk with God, there's certain things that we just must put some distance between us and that. Amen. We need to guard against deception. The apostle warned against deceivers. Deception is a weapon of Satan, and he uses it wildly in the world that we live in. It's easy for us to accept things that seem logical, but if it's wrong, tragedy could be the end result. Proverbs 14 and 12, the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end, the end, that's what we've got to think about is the end, the end. Divine revelation empowers us to understand truth. It does not come through just mere human reasoning or rationale. It's dangerous to listen to individuals who sound reasonable, but they do not believe the word of God, the whole counsel of the word of God. Amen, the revelation of, of, of God and the truth. And so it's, that's why it's so important that you guard what you watch. Amen, and when I'm talking about that, I'm not just talking about movies that are filled with filth and, and all kind of things, but I'm talking about even, even things, somebody teaching, amen, biblical principles that don't have truth in their heart. Amen, because what happens is just enough seed gets scattered out there. That's why we need the spirit of discernment. That's not to say that we can't better ourselves and learn some things here and there. Amen, but that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be on the main part of the menu of our lives. Amen, we need to we need to dwell among those that we know have this settled this truth settled in their heart. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Many times people possess charisma but they do not speak the truth according to scriptures. Amen. They're deceivers and we need to avoid them. The deception that John warned against struck at the very heart of the gospel of truth and the identity of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was a denial of the incarnation of, of God. The, the apostle declared that a person who denied that Jesus had come in the flesh was a deceiver and an antichrist. No, there's no debating that. That's what John, he said, he said, that a person that declares that Christ come in the flesh, that God came in the flesh, amen, they are a deceiver and an antichrist. God's word clearly states the truth of the incarnation, that Jesus Christ was God incarnate. In his humanity, he was the only begotten son of God. In his deity, he was the very God. Amen, if this were not true, then the blood of Jesus Christ would not have been effective and cannot be effective to remit sin. And by by the same token, the power or the name of Jesus Christ would be powerless to save. But I'm gonna tell you in his name, in his name, our sins are remitted. In his name, our souls are redeemed. Praise God. 
Praise God. If our ushers need to bring people in, that's all right. I'm, I'm not done. Amen. And so just bring them on in. Amen. We, we need the power of God to save us. Amen. To save us from sin. To transform us. Every born again Christian. Every born again man and woman of God is a living example of the truth of the incarnation of Christ. Amen. So we've got to guard ourselves against deception. We must guard ourselves against transgressions. John wrote that whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. So here's the apostle now has joined transgression with the spirit of apostasy. Transgression is breaking the law. It's a sign that, that sin is breaking the law. Sometimes people are mistaken in believing that, that only the works of flesh are sin. Please don't get distracted. Amen, I feel like God is speaking something into our heart here today. Maybe some for the first time, but others he is underlining and driving the tent stakes deeper into our heart. Sometimes people are mistaken in believing that, that only the works of the flesh are sin. But transgression is not limited to the work of flesh. Deception that leads to disobedience is also transgression. That was Eve's problem. Amen, that's what she experienced in the garden. Paul wrote to the Galatian church regarding apostasy being a transgression. Listen, in Galatians 2 and 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If God has convicted you of something in your life, in your early walk with God, hear this pastor this morning, God in heaven, for whatever you do, don't walk back and pick that up again. Amen. Go live without that the rest of the days of your life. Amen. I'm not just talking about blatant sin, but there may be personal convictions that God has placed in your heart. You don't know what kind of role that's playing and what that may be protecting you from somewhere down the road. And so if it's not blatant sin, it's a personal conviction to you. Amen. Keep your hands off of it. No matter who's doing it, no matter who's saying it's all right, I'm just going to walk walk in that. I'm going to walk in that. Amen. It's a serious matter. Hear me today. It's a serious matter to turn away from the truth and build erroneous doctrines. It's a serious thing. The truth is what's going to save us. You know, the Bible talks about the unpardonable sin, the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you this morning, not trying to add to the word of God, but I want to provoke your thoughts with something. That if the Bible talks about in Romans, and if the Bible talks about in Thessalonians, that if we just keep pushing the envelope, putting that in our language, if we keep testing God, that he will give us up and he will give us over, amen, that we would believe a lie and be damned. Amen. Now I'm gonna take it back to the book of Acts. Amen. The Bible says the first step in making our heart right with God is to repent. Amen. Repent. And so if a man or a woman has been deceived by the deceiver, amen, then they are in error. They will not know that they are in error because they have been deceived and if they are deceived they will not repent of the sins that they are committing and if they don't repent friend they're going to stand before God in eternity and judgment I'm going to tell you I don't know if you're catching on to it or not but the preacher's preaching in the house this morning amen God is saying something in our life some people say well just don't do this and you'll be all right. just don't do that you just stay away from that no 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 amen that's not ever going to be enough I need to love this truth. I need to wake. So 
Amen. I need to wake up with this book in my heart in the morning. I need to lay down with this book in my heart at night. I need to love this truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He said, mention that once a year. He said, you ought to bring that up every now and then on special occasions. No, no, no. He said, talk of this when you get up. He said, talk about this when you lie down. Talk about it when you walk by the way. Bind it on your hand. Why? It is so true. You're going to meet gods and God's plenty. You're going to meet all kinds of things. But he said, your children need to hear you say, Here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. something burning in my heart today. Amen. I I feel like saying something. I want you to take this in the spirit that I'm saying it in this morning. But not long ago, or been a few months ago now, I was honored and and privileged to be invited to preach uh, a a, a service, a a service of very mixed congregation. And and so I just felt God laid something on my heart. I just preached there like I preach here. I just got no better sense. And when I got through preaching, I was shocked. Shocked how many people came to me and said, you know, it's been a long time since I've heard anybody preach on doctrine. Now, if you think I'm trying to pat myself on the back, you've misunderstood me. You're telling me it's been a long time since you heard doctrine preached in our camp? Oh my God. Amen. Are you telling me that it's been a long time since someone just stood and declared, hey, this is what we're built on. This is who we are. This is our identity. And I'm gonna tell you that God has just put a flame in my heart. Over the last few years, I can't get away from it. Not that I'm trying to get away from it, but I'm gonna confess something to you and request your prayer. But the more I preach this, the more alienated I feel in my heart. But pray for me that I will not quiet. Pray for me that I will not be muted. Pray for me that I will not be intimidated. Hallelujah. Is that all right? Amen. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness. Some thought he was crazy. Some thought he was a madman. I'm not trying to be unkind or uncouth or unethical, but I'm gonna tell you the only thing that's gonna save us at the end of the day is the truth of God's word. And so I say, dear God, anoint a voice in my life. I say, dear God, anoint voices in my life. I say, God, help us to hold to truth. Help us to hold the truth. We gotta hold on. We gotta hold on. Amen. Amen. Can you hang in there with me for a few more miles? Amen. I'm gonna tell you something else we've got to avoid at all costs, and that is compromise. Now there's a difference between tolerance and compromise and hear me, if you call me a compromiser today, you will just be one in a very long line. I hate to disappoint you. I feel there have been times, if I were to confess to you today, I feel there have been times that I have walked to the border of compromise. 
because I'm trying to save a family and a soul and try not to handle something with a butcher knife when it needs a scalpel. Amen, compromise. But we've got to make sure there is no compromise when it comes to false teaching. Not in this house. Amen. Now let me be real clear. Let me be real clear. Amen. To some degree, I am talking about not in this house. And that's why, as a shepherd of this church, I guard this pulpit like they guard the tomb of the unknown soldier in Washington. Amen. I don't want just anything floating in that said he was a preacher or they were a preacher. Amen. Standing behind this desk. No, no, no. That's too dangerous because you can't unhear something and you can't unsay something. And so I want to make sure, I want to make sure that what stands behind this desk to the best of my ability, amen, is not going to be teaching teaching something that's false. But when I say not in this house, that's the same spirit and attitude that every mother and every father ought to have. Not in this house. Not in this house. That will not be declared. That will not be declared in this house. Wow. Wow. My mind's going faster than my mouth. My mouth can keep up with here today. Amen. John described the false teacher as being a deceiver. He was very plain and antichrist. He instructed not to receive him. Now, I want you to lean in. He said, don't receive him into your home or bid God speed. And we're going to get in real close to the quick here so just stay with me but 2 John 10 said if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine receive him not into your house neither bid him Godspeed now I know the word term Godspeed for some that gets a little bit lost in translation but that would be like saying well God bless you because you see, there's just some things God can't bless. So why would I ask God to bless something that's false? So he said, if somebody comes to you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not to your house, neither say to him, God bless you. Because if we bid a false teacher God's speed, we sanction his deception or their deception and, you ready, we become partakers of that. You see, some people just want your influence because your influence will validate their life. That's why you don't need to put your arm around everything that comes down the road. Amen. I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, but you don't, we don't need to, well, maybe literally, but you don't, we don't need to just embrace everything that comes down the road that someone would just say, I want you to support me in this. I, I don't want to sanction. I don't want to stand behind that, put my hand on it. I don't want to sign that document because in doing so, I am becoming a partaker. Let's read verse number 11. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. That's why we got to be careful and we got to be cautious. I've already talked about love. 
love. I've already talked about truth. I've already talked about how we are to treat our fellow men. I'm not talking about being unkind, but I'm telling you there's a line. We need a line in our life that said, I'm gonna go right there and that's as far as I'm going. I'm not going any further past that because the more I walk with you, the more people are gonna think that I am endorsing you. And hear me today, there are people that want nothing more than your endorsement or my endorsement. They are using you to propagate what they are doing, their agenda, their program, their plan. And so I wanna stay away from that. I'm not going to walk in that. Amen, because you know what? If you continue to walk in that and expose yourself to that, after a while, that will be correct in your mind as well. I told my wife many, many years ago now about a particular certain situation that we were exposed to and I said to her that night, I said, I'm leaving here and I'm never, not here, I'm leaving where we were and I'm never coming back because I said, while I know this is wrong, I'm walking away. Because if I keep coming back, you just get desensitized to it. Amen. So if you're reading something and something goes off in your spirit, put it down right then and don't go back to it. Amen. If you're watching something and something goes off in your spirit, you're listening to something and something goes off in your spirit, stop right then because if you keep going back, it will lose the power of that punch in your life. I gotta be cautious. I gotta be cautious. Amen, we have to be very cautious and and if someone has an infectious disease, you have to take great precaution, great precaution. As a matter of fact, many times in recent years, hospitals have admonished people, even family members of people that were in the hospital with certain diseases, please don't even come. Don't even walk in because you're gonna take a chance of getting infected yourself or maybe even worse than that, you're gonna take a chance of becoming a carrier. Maybe it doesn't destroy you, but it's gonna destroy people around you. Amen, you know where the preacher's going now, don't you? Amen, you say, well, I'm strong enough. I'm, I'm able enough. I can be around this. Amen, but what about those you're carrying with you? What about those that you're influencing? Amen, I want our children. Hear me, I want your children. I want our young people. I want them to be exposed to what is going on. Amen, in the word of God. Not here and not there and not here a little and there a little. Praise God. I want them to know the word of God and the truth of God's word and that alone, that alone. Praise God, we gotta be cautious because, amen, if, if we gotta be careful about what they're going to spread. I, I, I've used this illustration with others, not sure if I've done this publicly, but it's all right, but I said a surgeon, when, they, when they're gonna operate on someone, they scrub up, they, they do everything, they take great, great precautions. Part of that, a great part of that, is so that they do not get sick themselves. But another part of that is so they don't take that home to their family. Because you see, they don't live at the hospital. They don't live in the operating room. They live a normal life just like us. In a little while, they're gonna take off that 
gown a little while, they're going to pull off that hat. They're going to take those slippers from off their shoes and they're going to have a polo shirt on and a pair of jeans and they're going to walk out to their convertible and drive home to a wife and family and children and they don't want in their house what he was exposed to in the middle of that surgical wait in that surgery room. And so I say to us, you've got to be very careful. Amen. I know that we all have friends that do not believe this message and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I've got a lot of friends that don't have the Holy Ghost. I've got a lot of friends that don't have, but they're not my close friends. Amen. They're not, they're not the people I'm going on vacation with. They're not the people I've got but my arms all around them. Amen. I know them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to keep being a light to them. But if I'm going to pull somebody close to me, I want the right iron to sharpen this iron. I want the right light to help this light become brighter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a serious matter to turn away from truth. A serious matter. Amen. Man, I'm really way over prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs> I cooked a lot of lunch today. Amen. Amen. Every road we follow, hear me, will come to an end sooner or later. And because of this, it's important to what it's important that we pay attention to what's at the end of the road. Jesus spoke about two roads in the life, uh, in, of two roads of life in Matthew seven. To the human mind, to the human way of thinking, it would just seem uh, a lot easier to enter that wide gate and travel that broad way. That seems far more appealing than the straight and the narrow way. But what, what we need to do is not look at the wide and the narrow. What we need to do is look at the end. Where will this take me? That wide road and that wide gate, we know where that's going. To a hell that is enlarge her mouth without measure. That narrow way, if you're worried about the narrow way, look at the end. I mean, if you're, if you're caught up in the, the narrow way is intimidating you, I can get your mind set at ease. Look at the end. Look at the end. Look at the end. Traveling that broad way seems to make so much more sense logically, but when we look at the end, the choice becomes clear. If we're wise, we're gonna choose the narrow way because that leads to life, everlasting life. And in making choices that determine uh, eternal destiny, we need to listen to the advice, we don't need to listen rather to the advice of wrong voices in our life. Eve listened to the serpent. She disobeyed God. Rehoboam took wrong advice. He said, I'm gonna find me somebody who thinks like me. Deceivers may have even signs and wonders that would make them appear to be in right relationship with God. They might even work miracles. But hear me, the working of miracles is not absolute proof that, a per, that they are a person of God. Because even the spirits of devils are able to do miraculous things. According to Second Thessalonians 2 and 9, the Antichrist is going to come with power, with signs, and with lying wonders. That's what the scripture says. The apostle emphasized that those who will be deceived are those who receive not a love for the truth. And so it's so important that we love the truth if our musicians would come. It's difficult to receive those, it's difficult to, to deceive people who really love the truth. I know I, I, I probably refer to her quite a bit and, and Sister Betty, I, I say to your 
mother with speak of your mother with great deference. She loved this truth. I don't think she ever claimed to be a perfect person, but she loved this truth. She told me one day about somebody who came to her house that didn't have perfect truth in their heart. <laughs> they had just bumped into a hornet's nest. She wasn't at all unkind, but I could not help but I was just laughing. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I was just laughing when she was telling me about I was telling them she would do her fingers that way. Because when they nudged up against the truth, something came alive. Alive. Because we got to love this truth. Amen. Truth breaks the bonds of sin. Truth will help us and help you break ungodly habits, the truth of God's word. The spirit sets us free from guilt and condemnation. Now, I'm gonna tell you today, there's no excuse for being deceived because he keeps reaching for us. We don't step out of line one time, God says, oh, that's it. You're gonna have to trip over a lot of mercy, but it's real. Deception is real. And so if Jesus dwells in our heart, Amen. He wants us to walk in his light, walking in the truth. I want us to stand. I've been addressing our young people. I'm so proud of them. They're always up here on the front row. And and, uh, I appreciate that. But I want you to know that, that living for God doesn't have to be a difficult thing. It has to be a clear choice. An intentional thing. But it doesn't have to be a difficult, grinding, grueling walk. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Amen. Let the Lord be the Lord of your life. And you know what? If you don't learn how to stand up for something today, You'll battle this the rest of your life. My grandfather said this, if you don't learn how to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. To stand for truth. I want to know whom I have believed. Amen. And I think it's important to understand something here. Paul, when he said that, he didn't say, I know what I have believed. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Amen. We need to know the whom we believe. Not just something with a little intellectual knowledge, but I want to have a passionate relationship with him. Unfortunately, I have come to the end, and I know you're disappointed. (laughs) But I'm telling you that the Spirit of God is moving in this hour, and he is bidding us come. I want to walk with him. Amen. Would you slip your hands up? just magnify the Lord in this house. We're going to change the order of the service. We're going to praise and magnify him now. We're going to worship him. Praise the name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.